We're going through the doctrine of Christ, and uh, uh, we talked about the doctrine of Christ has four main components. Number one, Christ was divine, that is, he's deity. Christ is God. Second principle of the doctrine of Christ is that Christ is human. He was 100% God and 100% human because his father, Christ's father was God. His stepfather was Joseph. Are you following me? And now we're going to talk about, again, uh, if you don't have the book, it's a book, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible by Max Anders. We're going through that book. Uh, This week we're going, or tonight, today we're going through the resurrection and and why that's so important to your prayer life and so important to what God has in store for you. Are you following me so far? And then next week we'll talk about the return of Christ. John chapter 11, verse 25, Hebrews chapter... 4 verse 14 and 15, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 3, 4 and 5, New Living Translation, also 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 21 to 20. John chapter 11 verse 25 says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after death, even after dying. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He understands our weaknesses. He understands. Tell somebody next to you, God understands what you're going through. for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, 4, and 5, God our Savior wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Not only does he want you to be saved, but he wants us to understand the truth or understand reality. Oh, my. He wants us to understand reality, truth, reality. He doesn't want us to understand facts. He wants us to understand truth. Fact. Fact. That slimy thing with 80 pairs of legs is a caterpillar. That's the fact. Truth. It's a butterfly. So it is imperative. See, fact is how a thing is now. Truth is how a thing will end up. And that's why sometimes when I dedicate babies before the Lord, the fact is it's a baby. The truth is if everything pans out the way it should, if the, if the child is a man, the truth is it's a husband, a dad, a grandfather. And so many times I will lay hands on a child, the baby, and pray for the baby's spouse. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, it's never too early. 
to to get some insurance. The truth will make you free, not the facts. And too many of you are responding to to the facts and not the truth. Fact is, I have no money. Truth is, my God shall supply all my needs. Fact is that my resume says I can't do the job. Truth is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So the key is, do you, do you agree with the fact or the truth? And if you're in bondage, it's because you believe in the facts. Mm. Turn to somebody and say, that was a good word. And that wasn't even in my notes. He wants everyone to know and understand the truth. There is one God. There is one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus was the first person to call you the man. The man, Christ Jesus. I want to talk about resurrection power and contra- resurrection power, contractual rights. And I pray in the future when we sing that song, Res Power, that we will understand that there, there's, we can be blinded by the fact that that's a nice song. Hey, 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 it's a fun song, but the reality is it's a powerful song. The, uh, someone said this, and I like this term. They said the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. <laughs> there are some things that are so clear in the Bible that you don't need a theologian to you know, interpret it for you. And so when it talks about the resurrection power or the, resurrec- the resurrection of Christ, uh, Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 to 20, he says these words, and this is a New Living Translation. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no, rection, no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. In other words, if Christ has not been risen from the grave, then we should all just go to the house of pancakes and enjoy our Sunday morning. We apostles would all be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead or from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection from the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins, which means you're going to hell. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ, they're lost. In other words, those who are dead and said that they were saved, no, they're lost too. They're in hell right now. My grandparents are in hell if Christ has not been raised from the dead. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are to be, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, and in truth, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have believed. Holy Spirit, help me. And I say help because if we can get this visual visualization in our spirit of the resurrected Christ 
It'll change our prayer. It'll change our prayer life. The word resurrection means to rise again, to appear again, to get up. The writer, the Bible says about Christ that he is the mediator. He is a mediator. Uh, He is a mediator. A mediator is one who intervenes. This is the Greek definition. Is one who intervenes, that is, comes between uh, two individuals in order to restore peace and fellowship. Say that with me. Peace and fellowship. Fellowship. The the, the inter-between, the intervention, that means to come between, intervene, benga, come, comes between two individuals to make sure uh, that, uh, that peace and friendship are restored because at one time they weren't friends. And the intermediator or the mediator rather comes between them in order to ratify, ratify, ratus facio, ratus which means certain, establish, sure, fix, settle, prove. So he's ratifying the covenant. Fakio means to make. So the mediator makes the covenant certain. Are you with me? He makes the covenant established. He makes it sure. He makes it fixed. He makes it settled. The covenant. Are you with me? The covenant, not the contract. The covenant, not the agreement. The covenant. Are you with me so far? Christ came to restore our friendship with God. What do you mean? I thought I was always a friend of God. No. The Bible says that when we were in sin, Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says we were enemies of God. Here's the frightening thing. The frightening thing about people is that everybody says I'm a child of God. Are you with me? And and thus they think that they're on friendly terms with God. But the Bible clearly says in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, that when we were without Christ, we were enemies. 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 We were enemies. And Christ had to come as a mediator to restore our peace with God and our friendship with God. And, and as a mediator, he came to make sure that the covenant between God and us was fixed, approved, certain, established, settled, and sure. The covenant is sure. The covenant is settled. Turn to the person next to you say, and tell them the matter has been settled. Now, now, the reason why I'm asking you to turn to your neighbor and say those things, because faith is activated by releasing the word through your lips. Christ's death was a legal transaction with God and with the devil. It was a legal transaction. Folks, understand this. How many of you are saved? You're saved? Raise your hands quickly. You're saved. Okay. You have salvation. Your salvation was purchased. Help us, Holy Spirit. 
when we come to Christ and we receive, watch this, the gift of salvation, we need to understand that your salvation and my salvation was purchased. And because it was purchased, that's the reason why we have a right to pray. If your salvation and my salvation wasn't purchased, you might as well be talking to the ceiling. We have access. I believe it's Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says that we have access because of the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood, his blood gives us access. Salvation was purchased and anybody knows in life that a purchase is a transaction. Oh, you got to get the, you got to, in fact, you don't even have to get the CD now. We're giving them out free. Just go online. It was a, a, it was a salvation purchase and purchasing my salvation. Oh, Holy Spirit. Three things happened in purchasing my salvation. Are you with me so far? First of all, the transaction was a covenant, a will, a testament. That was the transaction. So in other words, in life, someone writes a will. Are you with me? And then in death, the will goes into action or goes into place. I believe it's the owner of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. I think he owns both the basketball team and the football team. And right now, there is a fight between this owner's children and his third wife because he, in this life, has written them out of his will. Okay? Now, don't get caught up in that. The point is, is that he legally can adjust the will while he's still alive. Oh, this is a bad word right here. But once the will, once that man dies, then the will... Now, become, come exec, uh, now becomes um, executed. Yeah. Are you following me? So there's the will, then there's the death, meaning that, you know, and, and that's what made the prodigal sons. Request so hideous. He basically says, his dad, you're dead to me. Give me my money now. Help us, Holy Spirit, help us to understand this. And then, after the person who wrote the will died, he's assigned somebody called the executor to make sure that what he wrote in the will, Holy Ghost, is executed because he's no longer around. Now, there are some times where even though there's a will, even though there's a death, even though there is an executor, sometimes the the action between the will and the execution of the will can get tied up in court. Am I right? Because 
people are trying to dispute the intention. Oh, God, this is a bad. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting happy myself. Dispute the extent, the, the, uh, the intention of the executor, of, sorry, of the person who died because they're no longer alive to say what they wanted. So it gets tied up in court because they say, well, he didn't mean this. If he knew he had a child, he would have definitely, and it gets tied up in court, even though there is an executor. Troy and Peter, you need to come. Oh, my, my, my. I want Troy to sit here and Peter, you sit here. Okay. Are you tracking with me so far? And so, um, and so, but Jesus is so bad that first of all, he did not write a will. He is the will because you make a will with what words so Jesus is the word and then to execute his will he died so that the people in the will can get salvation and then if that wasn't good enough, he rose again and sits at the right hand of God to make sure his will is carried out the way it should be carried out. So he doesn't need a prophet. He doesn't need an apostle. He doesn't need a, a, he doesn't need a pastor to express the intention of his will, he's telling God regularly, interceding at the right hand of God, telling God what he meant when he said what he said. And so that's why it is so important that he has risen from the grave and that he is now seated at the right hand of God. And because he Oh my. And it's not a contract. Jesus. It's a covenant. A contract means if I do, you do. In other words, if I'm in a contract with, contract with Jeffrey and say I'm going to buy, uh, I don't know, his computer. And so the contract is if I give you money, you give me the computer. But a covenant is different. A covenant is if I do such and such, I don't need you to do anything. I think it was this week I sent you, a, I, I was just going through my emails, pictures, and I found a picture of when Dave and Ian uh, got married, and it's a beautiful picture, so I, I, I sent it to them and said, boy, time flies. But when they stood before me to get married, I said, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? And then... You repeat after me. You repeat after me. Let's do it again because you still love her. Okay. Okay. Watch this. Uh, I, David, take you, E.A., to be my lawful and wedded wife. Okay. To have and to hold from this day forward. 
This is a covenant. For better? For worse. For richer? For poorer. In sickness and in health. In other words, it doesn't matter what she does. See? We treat marriage like a contract. In sickness, I'll stay, I, I won't stay with you. If you if you get broke, I won't stay with you. No, I promise that whether you're sick or well, I still love you. That's a covenant. When I if I leave something to Jeffrey in my will, all he has to do is show up. It's not a contract. All he has to do is show up. All he has to do is show up. All he has to do is show up. We have a covenant purchased for us. And all we have to do is show up. All we have to do is show up. So let us show up. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace where he might receive what? Mercy. The reason why I can get mercy is because Jesus already mediated between me and God so that now God, instead of blasting me out of the planet because I approach him, Jesus has made, take my hand, take my hand, give it to your father. Jesus has made me and God friends. Are you following me? Now watch this. Watch this. So Jesus is the mediator. He's seated at the right hand of God. Now, this is heavy. This is heavy. I have a gift card to McDonald's. Okay? And this gift card says how much? $10. $10, right? So, I'm going to give this to you. You like McDonald's? Okay. So now he said, now you got my attention. Okay, so someone gives me this gift card at McDonald's for $10. Are you following me? So watch this. A transaction took place before I was aware of it. So now somebody has handed me a gift card, okay, which is the will. The will is that you have $10 to spend whether you want to or not. It was the will mm, it was the will of the person who purchased it that you have $10. Are you following me? So now I come to McDonald's and I don't and I come boldly because the bad boy says $10. And I slap it on the counter and I say, I want you know, $10 worth of stuff. And as long as I stay within the limits, I can come boldly to the counter. Yes. Now, let's suppose I come. Now, let's suppose I come boldly to the counter. And he rings it up and he says to me, sorry, sir. Your card has not been activated. There's no money on this card. Okay, what do I do? What do I do? 
What do I do? Huh? Take the car back to the person who purchased it. And what does the person do? What? They get the receipt. And then you go back to the counter and say, here is the will and here is the receipt. Are you hearing me? But sometimes, oh Lord have mercy, sometimes I don't feel like going to the store to prove that I purchased it. So we give the person a gift receipt. They have their own receipt. So while they come and they like, just in case, just in case um, they don't accept this gift card, I'm going to have my own receipt. Now you may say, well, Bishop, what does this have to do with me? And some of us, we have the gift card and we have our own receipt, but we approach and we say, well, just in case they don't have the money on this card, even though I have a receipt, let me make sure I have $10 in my pocket so I won't be embarrassed. That is an indication that you don't trust the person who purchased the gift card. Are you with me? That's for you. And you can give that to your sister. Okay. She's like, oh, yeah. She woke up now like, hey. (laughs) So Jesus is at the right hand of God. He purchased my salvation through a will called the new will. The new, so I come boldly to the throne of grace because he purchased my peace. He purchased my joy. So I come boldly to the throne and I say, God, I need your peace. I need your joy because the contract says you'll give me peace and joy. And what happens is that Jesus says to God, in case there's any problems, I have a receipt for what was purchased. And that receipt is the blood of Jesus Christ. So when I come with the blood, he respects the blood and knows that the will can be executed. The good thing about Jesus is that he's still alive. So when I need funds to say, I don't know, buy a new car or get my education, I can come say, God, I need funds for education. And Jesus, as my intercessor, can say to God, hey, God, what he means is he needs funds for this education because he's going to need to get a job sooner or later. Are you with me so far? Let me close with this. So what does all this mean? Jesus, oh, help Lord. He is not in heaven. Come here, Peter. 
I need you to come here just for a moment. See, we think that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God like a spirit. Jesus is still a man. He's still a man. And we'll talk next week why Jesus had to ascend to heaven and not disappear into heaven. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So Jesus is in heaven and he's still a man. He's still a man. All right, why did you say that? He's still a man. First of all, the scripture says the man Christ Jesus. Secondly, remember Thomas said, unless I put my fingers in the nail prints of his hand, I won't believe. You can't have nail prints if you don't have a body. So Jesus is in heaven right now with the nail prints in his hand as the receipt that our salvation was legal. We've been transacted out of the kingdom of darkness into kingdom of light. So walk like children of light. Now you say, oh, that's deep, Bishop. That's deep. Can you show a picture up here? I'm going to close with this. Show a picture up here. I think there's a picture. Good. Actually, you could you could be seated. That's fine. Thank you, Peter. Can I get a high five? Thank you. Yesterday, by the grace of God, uh, Vanessa graduated. Uh, it was actually Friday. By the grace of God, she graduated. Uh, from Wheelock with her master's degree. When Vanessa was in middle school, she was being terrorized by fear. Terrorized. Terror. It was beyond, it was, the devil was a terrorist. And I was saying, God, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, waiting on the Lord for a while, he said, what is my will? Well, God, your will says you have not given the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You don't give terror you give peace so lord said you got to execute the will so almost every day i would walk into her room and i look in her eyes and i said vanessa you god has not given you the spirit of fear but of power Love and soundness of mind. And I would end with this. You are a bold, beautiful girl full of the joy and the peace of God. I would say that regularly. I would come before the Father with the will, knowing that it was a legal purchase document, my salvation. And I kept saying it and saying it 
and saying it. And the more I said it, the more she changed. And when she when she got went to get her license and was fearful of driving at first, and then she got a license, and then now she's just the bold and the beautiful. Okay? Okay? But the point is, is that folks, 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 if I did not execute the will, I don't know where my daughter would be right now. Are you executing the will? Are you executing the will? Jesus' resurrection is so that we could see him execute his will. I remember, I'm telling you, that maybe the difference between you and I is that I believe this stuff. When we had the YES program, we had the YES program, and I remember um, Tara was sharing with me how you know, Zach was having some challenges in school. And so every time they would come for the YES program over 345 Washington Street, I would put my hand on Zach's head and I would say, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Amen. At the end of the year, I said, how's Zach doing? She said he went up two grades. I'm telling you, folks, this stuff works. There are some children that, that, the, that, that the doctor, and the doctor can only give their prognosis, They've said what the child is going to be. And so I, I, every once in a while, when a child, certain children come into our church, I put my hand on their heads and I say, you have the mind of Christ. You are blessed and highly favored. The blood of Jesus Christ has that kind of power. Sooner or later, folks, either let's believe or let's just have religion. Turn your name and say, neighbor, what's in your mouth? Not what's in your mouth, not, not what's in your wallet, what's in your mouth? Kevin Clark, raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand, yeah. My wife and I regularly, you need to know this, regularly, regularly, we have been declaring to God that we've asked God regularly. You're one of six people that we've asked God regularly to heal your body, regularly. Because the, the contract says, by his stripes, you are healed. And so there's certain people that we call out regularly before the Lord. Say, God, you told me to contend for miracles. I want a miracle for Kevin Clark. I want a miracle for Lynn Collins, who has Alzheimer's disease. I, I want a miracle for, for Ketley. I've been calling, we've been calling six people regularly because the Lord says, either if you believe this, you keep saying it, and pretty soon something's going to happen. The worst that can happen is nothing. What's in your mouth? Are you describing your scene? Or are you making your scene? Let's all stand.